0: Do me a favor. Join me saying happy birthday to John. It's his birthday today. I'm not leading him in song, but happy birthday. He's still at 30-something. We don't care. So, um, but uh, it, is, it is good good to be here this morning. I want to also ask for, um, just, just to lift up a couple prayer. Um, well, one's concerned and opportunity really... Quickly, this morning. One, um, certainly keep the folks in Pittsburgh, the members of the Tree of Life Synagogue, um, in your prayers as the, the, the just the evil that they experienced yesterday, the violence and the loss of life, the officers who were shot in in the line of duty. Just pray for that whole situation God' peace and presence in the midst of that. So we live that in prayer. I um, also want to ask for your prayers. Kind of want to circle back to um, trunk or treat this afternoon. And this is what I want to ask you to pray for specifically. Certainly we want everybody to have a good time, um, have a fun event. Uh, the, uh, Lori and Gail and Jen have worked their tails off kind of pulling this together. But this is what the, the deep prayer I have is that this become a connection point for us. You know, we do these things to have fun and enjoy being together. But our, our greatest prayer is that they become missional. And that the, the, everybody's welcome to come. But But as their conversations happen and connections are made, that... Maybe some of those families that are looking for a place to connect, maybe some individuals that are looking for a deeper spiritual connection to God, or or searching for something, um, would would find some connection. And that the conversation, part of the reason we encourage you to come, is this is missional. The conversations might just seem like conversations; they might just seem like friendly banter. But you never know where the connections are made that will be a bridge to somebody to Christ. And I have those conversations. Some of you have shared with me your stories of how you either came to faith or maybe just came to be a part of our congregation through uh, an event or an outreach or just a conversation you had with somebody and being invited. So, so keep it in your prayer. Even if it's not something you're necessarily going to be here for, keep it in your prayer and pray that God would anoint and bless uh, what happens today. So can you do that? All right. Oh, you sound so enthusiastic this morning. Come on. I don't know if you know the story, if you've ever heard the story, but years ago, the New York City Transit Authority lost a bus. I'm not making up. They lost a bus. Actually, they lost a bus and a bus driver, bus driver by the name of William Simillo. Now, when I say it happened many years ago, it happened in 1947. And for over a week, they had no idea where their bus or their bus driver went to. Until 10 days later, authorities found him. They found William Samillo with the bus in Miami Beach. <laughs> and um, they asked him, why? And his response was, I had just had enough. I was tired of the cold weather. I was tired of my passengers. I was tired of my family, which I don't know how that homecoming was after that. But, uh, and he said, he said that when he pulled out of the, the garage that day, instead of going right, as was his, would be his course, he went left, and he just kept driving. He said, next thing I knew, I was driving by the White House. And I just kept going all the way uh, to, my, to Miami. Interestingly enough, and this tells you how much times have changed, when he was brought back to New York, he was initially arrested, but the charges were dropped, and he got his job back. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that says, but, but it was that, that phrase. In fact, years later, there was in process at one point to turn the story into a movie um, starring Elizabeth Taylor. And it was a screenplay, it just never quite got off the ground, as, as those things do. But it, it was the, the statement that he made, or that I read, certainly, that, that said, I had just had enough. I had just had enough. And, and, and I, think, I think I'm safe in saying that that, we, that resonates with us all at some level. I mean, those moments. Hopefully it's not a, a perpetual state, and I'm certainly not advocating driving away. But, but when you've just, you kind of hit a saturation point, whether it's in um, your job, it could be in, in a relationship or a friendships that just aren't quite working out in that moment, uh, whatever it may be, when you just, you kind of have that impulse to want to wanna, wanna get away, you know, we talked about advertising last week, we talked about Allstate, well, you know, Southwest, that's their advertising campaign, want to get away, and situations you just want to get away from, sometimes we really need that, we, we think we need it for our sanity, uh, we had a, one of the, the couples that comes at 8.15 uh, service. They're celebrating their fiftieth 58th anniversary today. Uh, Bob and, and Sharon Bennett and was joking this morning with the congregation and talking about the space. This is not Bob and Sharon. I'm not talking about them. But their anniversary occasion reminded me of a, of a quote I once heard or an interview that I once heard by a gentleman. He and his wife had been married for, you know, 55, 60 years, some very, very long time. And they asked him as, as yeah, exactly. God bless him. Come on now. Um, I'm not letting, I'm letting you have a the hook there. Uh, but they asked him as they do, and maybe you've been asked before, if you've been married a long time, what's the secret to a happy marriage? And he said the secret to a happy marriage is eating out at a nice restaurant twice a week. At a nice restaurant twice a week, he said, "Soft music, candlelight, a quiet walk home." Twice a week, she eats on Tuesday. I go on Fridays. <laughs> I saw you nudging him. I knew where this was going. You were, but 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 the, the the joke we can laugh about because you know we we kind of. We we understand. Yeah, we we certainly we understand that need to kind of whether create space or get away. I was I was in line at Publix this week, uh, getting some some items for dinner, and of course we've been saturated all week with mega millions and Powerball or whatever they are. And so I'm standing in line at Publix and I'm seeing the long line of people to get to the the service desk there to buy their their tickets. And I saw some of you in line there. (laughs) No criticism. I was rooting for you, but um, but I I was you know you start to speculate what's the story you know what's what's it It's it's kind of captured everybody's attention, and I think I saw this morning there were two winners of the Powerball, and one was like in New York and Iowa. So if you didn't see that, sorry, Um, but uh, but but the idea is that I think I think, and you know we all would have our reasons of why we'd want to have that much money. If you would, I'm not sure that I would. but, uh, yeah, we, there'd be some benefits, don't get me wrong, but I'll go off the, off the sidetrack there. But, but the point is that sometimes I think it's a desire. A lot of times you hear people say, what would you do if you won? I'd just get away. I'd travel. I'd go. You know, I'd, I'd get away. And, and so we, we understand that because life has that way of, of kind of sometimes getting us to a tipping point. Well, as we turn to the scripture this morning. And, and thinking about those kind of moments and those experiences and those times in our lives, uh, Paul uses a phrase that, that is, is the foundation, really the, the, the launching point for, for the sermon. You'll hear it when I read the scripture in a moment. And it's just these three words. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Because we have those moments where that's really hard. It is really hard really hard, and sometimes maybe we do. So, so Paul says that. So I wanted to kind of really dig into that for a few moments this morning. Don't lose heart. So, so let's pick up at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, and I say pick up because I'm, I'm reading from the back end of the chapter, and it begins at verse 13. And Paul writes this. He says, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an external glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We pray here God's blessing on the reading of his word. Friends, let's pray. Gracious Lord, we, uh, we do pray your blessing as we read from your word, as we worship together these moments we share. Lord, anoint this time. Anoint our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit and shape in us hearts of, of obedience and faithfulness and passion for the call of Christ upon our lives. This is our prayer, and we ask it in your name. Amen. 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 So, again, that phrase, don't lose heart, when I read that, I, I, I like it, I, I, of course. I mean, who doesn't want to want to grab on to that? But but as we so often do, the challenge becomes, the question becomes, okay, great, Paul, thanks. I don't lose heart. How? How? I mean, when, when, when life is up, you know, I'm up to here and, and how much I can take, When when those... Circumstances aren't going my way. When I want to turn left and drive and just drive and drive and drive, you know how, how do I not lose heart? And, and, and we, we see Paul reference some things in these verses that really are lived out through his entire life. And, and some, some, I hate to say strategies, because I think that oversimplifies, some truths that, that become... Um, Applicable to our lives in those moments when we when we are feeling like we're going to lose heart. The first thing is this the very first verse that I read this morning. He says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. And, and when I read that, the, the phrase that jumped out at me is, It is written. I believed, therefore I have spoken. And so my first thought was, where's that written? Because that's not a verse that I knew. Um, some people may have known that. Maybe you do. But I, I never heard that verse. Uh, or at least I didn't recall that verse. And so I, I did what I think what we ought to do when we're contending with the Scripture, when we're reading, and we come to something like that. Well, let's go find out where that's written. You know, Paul, Paul wrote primarily to a, a Gentile audience, a non-Jewish audience. Now, his Jewish readers may have read that, and they might have known that, because that comes from a psalm. It comes from the 116th psalm. But most likely, his non-Jewish readers wouldn't have known that. So hopefully they did. What, what we're challenged to do is go find out where that verse is. And so I said, it's a psalm. It's 116th. And it, it can be translated exactly how Paul says, uh, I believed, therefore I spoke. But, but another way to translate that text is this. It says, I have kept my faith even when I said, I am greatly afflicted. That's the psalm. I have kept my faith even when I said, even when I acknowledged, I am greatly afflicted. And it is interesting that Paul would reference that, keeping the faith in the face of afflictions. And that's really our first point this morning. How do we, how do we hold on to our heart? How do we not lose heart? Well, the first thing is we hold on to our faith. That's the example and the model of Paul's life. We hold on to our faith even in the moments that we would say we are dealing with affliction. That that we are feeling the weight of of whatever the world is is pushing on top of us. It was a characteristic of Paul's life. Uh, You don't have to go very far, far in any of his letters to find his reference to some of the things, the price that he paid on account of the gospel. Uh, and 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 2 Corinthians chapter 12 are two of those primary chapters. But, but you can find it throughout the, the list of the, the price that he paid. Paul's life did not get smoother when Jesus encountered him on the Damascus Road. It did not. It got faithful. It got blessed. But it did not get easy. His life would have been way easier had Jesus left him alone. Because he became passionate for the gospel. And he held on to his faith. In fact, I found a chart I'd never seen before. In my research, it was a chart of Paul's afflictions and sufferings. And it was two pages. I'm not longing for a two-page list of afflictions and sufferings. For I mean, I, that's, not, that's not what any of us wants. But we have those moments, too. And, and so Paul, who knew this better than anybody, writes a verse. And I want to reference some verses I didn't necessarily read from. This morning, but one that may sound familiar to you. In verse 8 of that same chapter, he says, We are, and I think also he's saying, I am, hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And what, what he's saying is, Yeah, I've got these realities in my life, but they don't get the final victory because, as he will write, I won't let go of faith. Faith becomes the strength. He's plugged in and connected to that power of Christ at work with him. And power, the power of Christ isn't just a power that smooths the road, but blesses us in the journey even when the road is extremely difficult. We talked about that last week with a God who knows Jesus' road was Difficult. And he becomes our strength in the midst of our difficult road. That's why Paul would would later experience that moment in his afflictions when he's praying for a smoothing out of the path. And and the voice of God speaks the truth. The voice of Jesus says, My power is made perfect in your weakness. Your weakness allows my power to to be at work. And Paul lived that. And he experienced it. And, And in the journey of his life, he refused to let go of his faith. So that when he comes to the end of his life, And he writes those words in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that many of us know very well. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have what? I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge longs to give me and to all who long for his appearing. He writes this word of holding on to the faith. But there's something interesting That happens in the Second Timothy um, text that I just referenced. I'd never connected it before, but a lot of times at the end of Paul's letters—Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians—he will—he will will give a a kind of a farewell greeting, a farewell greeting. Is that possible? Greetings of the a a farewell, a, a salute, if you will, and and he will speak on behalf of those who are in ministry with him. He will say to the church, as I send you my greeting, um, so does Timothy, my my brother in in ministry and service. He'll say, "Um, so does um, um, Barnabas. Uh, So does Silas. So does these these men and women that are with him in ministry, that are contending for the faith. In Colossians, he does this. And he references um, Onesimus, and he references uh, Luke. And he references another, a number of other people that are with him in ministry. And one of those names he references is he references Timothy and then he references Demas as a, as a brother in Christ. Now, why is that important to 2 Timothy chapter 4? Well, this is interesting. After Paul talks about fighting the good fight, the, two verses later, he says, he asks him, send somebody to me. Because a lot of times Paul's writing these letters in prison. He said, somebody to me, he says, for Demas has loved the present world and has abandoned the faith. And, and I'm paraphrasing that a little bit. But Demas, for his love of the present world, has left the mission field. And, and I think what, what he's saying is, is he's saying that, that he's let go of his faith. I think Paul is, is writing it with, with a heavy heart. I think with a broken heart. Because he sees in this brother who was passionate and with him in ministry that when, when the road got hard, when life got difficult, he, for love of the present age, for love of, of we can read into that, the, the comfort, the smooth journey, the easy path, he abandoned. He left the faith. He let go of that which was his first love. Paul says, for us, part of not losing our heart is holding on to our faith. Now, here's the second. Remember your purpose. Remember your purpose. Now, don't lose heart, Paul speaks at verse 16. But if we'd have read the whole chapter, you'd have heard it twice. Because the very first verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says it there too. He says, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry... We do, do not lose heart. Through God's mercy, we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. professor at Harvard used to tell a story, an antidote, to make a point. It was just a simple little story, but he would talk about uh, a mother that uh, one morning, or many mornings, would try to wake her son up to get him out of bed, and he just wouldn't get out of bed. And she'd look at him and say, Aren't you ashamed? Aren't you ashamed to be staying in this bed? And he said, yes, I am ashamed to be staying in this bed, but I'd rather stay in this bed than get out and face the world. I'd rather stay in this bed than get out and face the world. He didn't want, we all know what that's like, right? I mean, we all know what it's like to have those moments you just don't want to get up. And Paul says that part of the the, the catalyst, part of the thing that moves us forward in in getting out in those moments we just, look, every Sunday morning at 5 a.m., I don't want to get out of bed. That alarm goes off, I'm like, oh, if I could just sleep. And you feel that way sometimes. But what drives us? What drove Paul? What drove Paul every day, no matter how difficult it was, no matter how, what, what, what persecutions he was facing, no matter what challenges were in his way, what drove him was a commitment to what he understood he was called to do. He talks about it in Romans chapter 1. That's to preach the gospel to the Jews and to the Gentiles. So he says, that's what my call is. And so what does that mean? To preach it to everybody. That's what he's saying. In fact, he goes on to reference that. He says, "Um, all this to your benefit, all that I'm doing to your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause an overflow of thanksgiving to God. He understood that his life and even his suffering had purpose, that God was at work within it. Hear this, God never wastes a pain. God never wastes a pain. I don't know that's not new with me. I don't know who said it first. I've heard it a number of times. You may have heard it before. But God doesn't waste our experiences. God doesn't waste even the challenges and the difficulties that we go through. God is a God of redemption. We think about redemption in in in, in an eternal significance, which we'll talk about in a moment. We think about the redemption of our souls, uh, the redemption and the promise of heaven. But God is constantly redeeming. And one of the ways God redeems is God redeems our experiences, even our pain and our difficulty, so that it has purpose. Paul understood that the things and the hardships he went through had purpose. When he was in prison, it had purpose. You know what? He got to to share the faith with jailers who sometimes would come to Jesus. Your, Your pain, your experiences, your challenges, they have a purpose. God redeems that because we have a purpose. We are all called to the service of Christ. Not in the same way, not in the same measure, but all to the same service. And so we remember our perfect. And our lives take us in ways that we never imagined it would. It's just true. I, I mean, Jay Wallace Hamilton ha, has a quote. He said that, that we all start out to write our, our diary, to write our life story. But it, we end up writing another story. We end up, our, our, our story becomes, and what he basically means is, I mean, think about when you were 14 or 15 or 16, how you thought your life would go. I almost guarantee that's not the way your life has gone. That's not saying it hasn't gone. It may have gone 100% better. That's not, uh, that's not morbid. That's not sad. But the reality is our life has never got the same trajectory. It always changes and moves and adjusts and gets redirected. God redeems. God, God works in that to create beautiful things out of, out of our messes. You know, uh, to, to, shape, to shape us into instruments of, of noble purpose. We remember We remember that purpose, and that drives us. We talk all the time as a Wesleyan church, a Methodist church. We talk about John Wesley. He's the the founder of the movement that became Methodism. That's part of the reason that we are who we are. Uh, But his life was a mess at times. he, He went, and his brother went from England to Georgia... To become missionaries, to, to preach the word to the, to the indigenous people. And it was a flop. It was a disaster. He was terrible in relationships and romance. That was a mess. He couldn't find a, the deep faith that he longed for that, that I talked about last week. But he always knew God had a purpose. And he didn't stop pursuing that. And out of those pieces of his life, God renewed his spirit and used him to give birth to a revival movement. That's what Methodism was. He didn't birth the church. He birthed the revival that became an expression of Christianity, which we call Methodism. But, but that's what God does. So, so we remember our faith. We hold fast to our purpose. And then, here's the last, we change our perspective. We change our perspective. And this is where I'm going to contradict myself a little bit from things I've said in the past with hopefully in a way that makes sense to you. Because so often, I challenge us to not look at ourselves, but to look beyond ourselves. So often I talk about that our tendency is to become, as as some would say, navel gazers. You know, we look at our needs, we look at our wants, and we forget that our mission field is to the world. But actually, Paul, in this instance and in this context, he says something interesting. When he says we don't lose heart, he says, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, momentary troubles, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Paul wants us to see and change our perspective and see what God's doing inwardly, as opposed to the, the physical manifestation of what is outward. Because what is outward? The physical world is constantly deteriorating. That's just a law of nature. Things deteriorate. We go to ancient ruins because they're historic. You go to Rome and you see the Colosseum. It's deteriorating. You go to Egypt and see the pyramids. They're deteriorating. You go to Central America and see the Mayan ruins. They're deteriorating. You walk New York City and you can see the old from the new because the old buildings are deteriorating. That's just the reality. Today's um, masterpiece of architecture are tomorrow's... Um, deteriorating and decaying monuments. And what is true in that sense is true for us. We get it, especially as we get older. We're deteriorating. There, there's a reason it's not only emotionally hard to get out of bed some days, it's physically hard to get out of bed some days as we get older. We, we feel aches and pains that we didn't feel when we were teens and 20s and earlier years. We, we become limited in some of the things that we can do. You know, I, I can remember as a kid, uh, you know, in church and jumping around and jumping off platforms and the older folks cringing, going, oh, I can't believe you're doing that. And, oh, you're going to hurt yourself. And as a kid, you think, no, stop. That's just silly. You're just old. And um, now I'm that guy. I see, you know, Ethan and Keenan and these kids running and jumping I'm like, oh, you're going to hurt yourself because now I'm the old guy, you know. And, but that's the way the journey goes, right? I mean, that's the progression. And so Paul, Paul knows this. He's experiencing that. His hearing's not so good. His vision isn't so good. He's not recovering from the physical demands of, of ministry like he once did. And he talks about this, this waste in a way. But he says when we change our perspective, when we don't see externally but we see spiritually, we recognize that day by day God is renewing us. When we begin to see not what is physical but what is unseen, You know, we live by faith and and not by sight. We begin to recognize God's doing something within us because there is something within us that is not temporary, is not momentary, but is eternal. We were created for eternity. Don't lose sight of that. We were created for eternity. It doesn't look that way externally, but God is working inside. And so we change our perspective, and we recognize, we see the long view. Paul says, my afflictions are momentary it doesn't mean that it's just in just uh, like seconds of, of physical difficulty. It meant that his life was momentary in light of the eternity which God had provided and promised. He saw the long view. So no matter what you did to him, no matter what you did to him, he wasn't going to let go his faith. And he wasn't going to a- abandon his purpose because he knew that there was a greater promise. And that promise is the eternal life that he had through Christ, in Christ. And that was going to propel his life until the day come came that he finished his race and he'd fought his last fight. Brothers and sisters, that's, that's our truth. Yeah, life gets hard. Our, our saturation points get heavy. But we hold on to our faith. We hold on to it because it allows us to connect to God's power at work within us. We hold on to our purpose because God doesn't waste a pain. He doesn't waste a struggle. He doesn't waste a difficulty. He redeems it. He uses it. Your life becomes a blessing for someone else. And then we change our perspective. We see the long view. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but has eternal life. Eternal life. That begins here and now and carries us through. Hold on to that. In those moments you want to turn left and drive south, hold on to it. Hold on to your faith. Claim your purpose and change your perspective. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we, uh, we thank you for the promise that not, not only that Paul teaches through his words, but that we see through his life, through the testimony of his life. May that be the testimony of our lives, that we'd hold our faith, our purpose, and our perspective, and we would follow Jesus with passion. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.